Welcome to the Northeastern Next podcast, our special episode with Women Who Empower. I am Madison Nooner. I am the co-op at Advancement, and I will be your host. Today, let's welcome Ali Legend Siegel, the Senior Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Salesforce, which amazingly is a position that she created herself. She is a Northeastern graduate from the class of 2014 with a degree in journalism and minors in psychology and international affairs. As our name suggests, we're really into empowering women. We have a whole community of not just women, but people empowering women to do great things in the fields of entrepreneurship, design, and really everything in between. From your perspective and your experience, why do you think it's important for women and people in general to empower women? I think it's so important because many of us are the first to do something. I mean, when we think about corporate America or you think about our different industries, you know, historically, women haven't had the same amounts of access, especially in leaderships. I think it's so important. Community is such a key part of success. And, you know, for me, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have an amazing community of women who showed me the way and helped teach me about things that I had no idea about, like managing finances or how do you approach an executive leadership meeting or how do you negotiate a salary? And so I think it's so important that we look out for each other, that we share the knowledge that we're gaining so that we can have more of us in the boardrooms and in the, the, the top floors of these skyscrapers and starting businesses and just, you know, the possibilities are limitless for us. I completely agree. A lot of people who are willing to support you because they understand that being a woman in a male-dominated field such as business is really hard. So they're like, mm-hmm. yes, like we all have to support each other. So I do think that that sense of community is how how important and influential that can be in in women's careers. Absolutely. Can you think of someone who stands out to you as someone who has empowered you during your career, during your education, or your life in general? It's hard to choose just one. There have been so many great mentors and sponsors, and the difference between a mentor and a sponsor is a sponsor actually has skin in the game and you know, they will put their reputation on the line to get you an opportunity. My journalism teacher who I went to Jordan Turkey with was incredible because she pushed me beyond what I thought my abilities were and helped me to get out of my comfort zone. You know, it's hard to believe now because I do a lot of interviews and speaking events, but I used to be incredibly shy. So I just (laughs) remember her pushing me to interview strangers and, you know, get out of my um, comfort zone and, and really push myself. And then There was an incredible woman. She was working in the arts department at the time, and I was taking a class in that department, and I was having a really hard time with a male teacher. And she sat me down and she said, your whole life, men are going to try to make you feel small. And we are never going to allow them to do that. And we are going to support each other in these spaces. And so it's something that really stuck with me. And I think part of why I work in diversity inclusion now 
And then once I got into the workforce, I've had some really amazing executive women who, for whatever reason, believed in me very early on. They helped me create that role. They sponsored me. They put me in the rooms that I normally wouldn't be in and connected me to people I wouldn't usually meet. And so I'm just so grateful and I try to pay that forward. What would you say is a piece of advice that you think will bring us closer to whether that's women's equality or women feeling empowered and feeling confident in themselves to take those risks and to listen to the right people? I think it's a few things. I think one is just as you rise, I like to say lift as you rise, as you rise and as you grow in your career, just making sure that you're bringing someone along with you. And the more you can bring, the better. But of course, we're all super busy and it can be hard. But even if you just choose one person that you invest in, just like someone invested in you, I think that makes a huge difference because it's a chain reaction. I also think it's important to understand that you belong there just as much as the next person and that you have your own superpower. And I think even the adversity that you face, that's super important. And then also being humble and recognizing when you don't have the answers and leaning on your community, your mentors, the people around you. I think women sometimes, because society again has taught us this, we can be very competitive with each other. And, you know, that feeling you get when instead of being happy for your friend who something amazing happened to, you know, you feel threatened or jealous or anxiety. And it's like, okay, feel that emotion for a second. My therapist calls it clearing the emotion, right? And then think about, well, how can I learn from that person? That person clearly is doing something amazing or has figured something out that I haven't figured out. And then also, how do I support and cheerlead for that person? because I want them to do the same for me. You literally create your own job. <laughs> Even though there was some doubt in the beginning, you were able to make that work and have that be like an existing thing that you created. What kind of brought you to deciding to create your own position, especially this position in particular, and how have you been able to use that role to empower others? I ended up in tech by accident completely in Northeastern I had actually started an online magazine with my friend that picked up quite a bit and my friend had ended up in content marketing in tech and he moved out to California and he called me one day and said do you need a job because we have an opening and we need a writer and I said to him you know I know absolutely nothing about the tech industry he said, it's okay, you have the skills, you can do this job. So again, that someone who sees you and knows that even though you may not have all the on paper requirements, you can do this. And so ended up getting the job and moved out to California. And I worked at a few startups. And while I was working at the startups, I just realized that there were so few, not just women, but women of color around me, or even people of color. And I was just curious, you know, what's going on here, especially coming from the East Coast, where there's just more representation, there's still a challenge, of course, but definitely more. And then um, Salesforce is one of the biggest, I think it is the biggest employer in San Francisco and was at the time and everyone was like, you have to go work at Salesforce. Salesforce is the best company ever. And I had attended a talk where they were talking about that year spending 
$3 million to close the gender pay gap in the company, which just blew my mind. I was like, I've never heard of a company even acknowledge the gender pay gap. And having spent time in journalism at Northeastern writing about gender rights and all those different issues that, that really drew me to Salesforce. So anyway, I landed the dream job at Salesforce, but still noticed, okay, even though they talk about equality, there still aren't many women of color here and what's going on. So that just sparked my curiosity, my journalism hat. Started doing research, found out every company was hovering around 2% Black employees at the time. Started talking to DEI experts and just became really tunnel vision on, you know, I need to figure out a way to solve this. And this is super important to me. And got involved with our Black Employee Resource Group. And over time, people just started to come to me uh, for advice and guidance. And with the help of my mentors, uh, some of the senior leaders that I mentioned, they helped me put pen to paper. And luckily, I had seen another woman create her role. So I knew it was possible. I think that's what's really important about representation. Because just seeing that someone has done it before, you're like, okay, I could do that. If she figured that out, then I can figure it out. And I remember getting a meeting with her and just asking her to tell me everything that she did <laughs> to create her job. And then I just kind of copied the blueprint. Just man. <laughs> it is cool. That, it is cool. I think that you did touch on a really interesting thing, though, maybe between the lines I'm reading, is that it kind of started off as a bit of a passion project for you um, yeah. to, to create these positions. I would love to hear from you how you think passion has played into your success in building this program at Salesforce and just how important it is to be passionate about what you're doing. Oh, it's so important. I think when you align your job with your passion, that's when you're going to thrive. I mean, it's kind of like you unlock this next level of both yourself and also what's possible for you because you wake up every day with a purpose. You know, I used to think I will never work in business. I'm going to be an international journalist and I'm going to, you know, live modestly and write about social justice. And I never conceived that you could also drive change and social justice and impact, but in a different space. And the work that I do now is really about connecting communities that haven't traditionally had access to generational wealth, for example, that haven't had access to all the opportunities and information that the technology industry brings. And then also making sure we have a seat at the table in creating this technology that is really driving our whole world. And if we're left out of those rooms, women, people of color, um, people with disabilities, LGBTQ plus communities, like just think about um, how harmful that could be. So um, yeah, I think passion is, is everything. I am here with Michelle Satter, who is the founding senior director of artist programs at the Sundance Institute. She is also a grad of Northeastern in the class of 1974 with a degree in art history. And she's gotten several awards, so many that I didn't want to talk about every single one, but I will mention that she did get the Women in Film Business Leadership Award. So with that, I will welcome Michelle Satter to the podcast. How are you today, Michelle? I am great. And thanks, Madison. I'm honored to be here with you. So just to start off, in your opinion, why do you think it's important for women to empower other women? 
Well, I think it's important not only for women to empower other women, but men to empower uh, women. And if you have a platform to do that, which I do, it is, it is imperative. Women are great leaders, and we have to diversify the leadership at every level of business, nonprofit, government jobs, you know, any opportunity that we can have. You know, it really is the, not only the right thing to do, but it's the smart thing to do. I really appreciate that view. In your career, your educational journey, in your life in general, who is someone who has empowered you? I do believe that you empower yourself is the most important thing. Uh, yes, there are, you know, there are always obstacles and, you know, it depends on the privilege um, in which you, you know, you're born into. And that makes a huge, I think, huge difference as well. So from my, my earliest job, uh, I was partnered with a very close friend when I graduated from Northeastern and created a nonprofit to produce in the performing arts. That was a great opportunity um, that we had. I learned from her. I learned from everyone, um, by the way. <laughs> and I hope that people also learn um, from me and that I can be a model for artists and for other staff and leaders who are growing up in any business out there. I love that point. That's the first time I've ever heard someone say, I empower myself. And I do think that that's really important. I just love that. I wanted to point out how, how cool that is. I should also say I struggle and I think uh, many women do with confidence and I did very early on. And it's something that you, you have to work on for yourself. Nobody can, can give that to you. You give that to yourself um, in bringing yourself into the world and into any, you know, any public or private space that you're in. Yeah, I really agree with that point. And I do want to go back to something that you said earlier about how you learn from everyone and you hope that people learn from you. What do you hope people are learning from you? Well, I hope they learn to actively listen. I hope they learn that collaboration and, you know, and being a team player is really important. It's about creating spaces that are safe and spaces where people feel like they can belong and become. I work with a lot of artists. For me, it's giving them the space, the feedback on their work, never being prescriptive, asking great questions, you know, helping them own the answers. It's not about me in a lecture situation. It really is about working together, working collaboratively, listening, helping people grow, but asking them about how they want to grow. Yeah, I do think that everyone grows in a different way. Every person is different. It's really important that those people have the opportunity to learn in the way that works for them and have the opportunity to kind of make that their own. So going forward with that idea of empowerment and helping others, was there ever a time in your life where you felt where you were being disempowered and what did you do in that situation? You know, that's a great question. I've worked at the Sundance Institute since its very beginning. So I was part of the founding group of the, of the Institute. It's very different working in a, you know, in a nonprofit and also working with artists. The only thing that has kept me back is myself. I don't think anyone else has kept me back. I don't think anyone should be waiting for permission. Of course, you have to be able to look at you know, the politics of the situation you're in, knowing 
that there are moments where, you know, you should be speaking up and moments maybe you shouldn't be. But I, I sort of put that all aside. And it may be that I've been in this job for such a long time that I, you know, I believe in myself. I believe in my taste. I believe in my ability to, to really nurture and support and bring out the best in artists. But that, wasn't, that has not always been the case. Your role mm-hmm. at Sundance. I think it's awesome that you have been there for such a long time and you were a founding member. And obviously, you've done a lot of amazing things in the years since you've been there. I wanted to talk about what, what brought you there and how have you used your role there over the years to lift up others? I got very lucky in having this role at Sundance and I grew with the job and I love working with the artists and I love storytelling. So I got to be in a place where I could bring my full heart and my full engagement to the work of it. In terms of my, you know, the opportunity that I have, and I really do it, I see it as an opportunity and a responsibility that I have. Um, It's to support more artists and stories from underrepresented communities. That's my great interest right now. So our next guest is Andrea Allen, the Senior Training Specialist for Sales Academy UAE at Adidas, a new position. Congratulations, Andrea. She is a Northeastern graduate in the class of 2005 with a degree in music industry and a minor in African-American studies. And then she actually came back to Northeastern to get her master's in sports leadership, getting that in 2009. She also has a couple of school records in track and field and was inducted to the Hall of Fame in 2017. Welcome to the podcast, Andrea. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Scrolling back to the beginning, how did you end up at Northeastern? I went to a school a small town and I remember when I joined the track team I had a coach basically who I was winning states winning conference but still it wasn't good enough, good enough basically he didn't see me as a great athlete we had a thing called clearing housing your coaches at that time had to basically fill out this form in order for colleges to even look at you he never filled out the form I'm winning states and and my competition there everyone's getting scholarships to all these different schools but schools weren't able to talk to me so we thought when one of the coaches asked what happened like where's Andrea going to my parents they were like no one's approached us so and when we asked my coach about it, he was like Andrea's not good enough to get a scholarship she needs to stick to the books so by the time we filled out Clearinghouse. There's only a certain amount of scholarships that are giving out. So basically, they told me to go to community college for a year and then come back, you know, stay in shape. I was discouraged and I was like, I'm not I'm not going to run anymore at Northeastern. I was invited to a Delta Sigma Theta party. And I remember going to the campus and thinking, wow, this is a really beautiful campus. And also, this was the year of the Olympics. And I remember watching Marion Jones and crying uh, watching it because I was like, I should be doing this, I miss running. Uh, so I remember contacting my parents and they were like, do you wanna get in touch with the schools that you know, said that for you for a year? And I said, no, I wanna stay, I think I wanna stay in Boston. Um, and they were like, where do you wanna go? I said, BC, BU and Northeastern. Didn't know anything about the track program or anything, just knew I wanted to stay with Northeastern. So my mom contacted BC, BU, Northeastern. Sherman Hart was the coach at the time. Both of them were talking, I did not know about it. Got a call from my mom, 
pack your bags, we're going to Northeastern. <laughs> they gave me a partial scholarship. Sherman never saw me run. I go to Northeastern. It was really, the semester had basically started. Trained with the track team. Nobody knew who I was because I wasn't recruited or anything. I just showed up. First track meet, Sherman put me in a four by four, mixed four by four. Never ran the 400 in my life. I was a 100, 200 long, long jumper. Put me in a 400. I was the last leg. I ran a 58. That was, I no longer was a 200, 100 runner. I was a 400 runner. Uh, by the end of the season, I was running a 53. And Sherman brought me into the office and he was just like, we're giving you a full scholarship. And that's how I ended up at Northeastern. A little crazy story, but I had a coach that took a chance on me. Never seen me run, just saw my stats. Uh, didn't get recruited, but took a chance on me. And my mom, who I said empowered me and is a, is a strong woman, advocated for me. And I'm forever grateful for him and for Northeastern for taking a chance on me and where I am now today. So that's my story. <laughs> I'm in awe. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So if I had, if I would have believed what that coach said about me, which I did, but I forgot who I was. And after watching the Olympics and remember, I was like, this is a talent that I have and I know I need to be utilizing it. And it's brought me to where I am today. As an athlete myself, um, a competitive runner, the biggest thing that I would say I've noticed is that the lessons I've learned in running are life lessons as well. What would you say are some of the lessons that running and sports have taught you that have translated over to the rest of your life? I want to say that being a collegiate athlete, I think it's one of the hardest things to be. Not only do you have to keep your grades up, you have to perform on the, on, on the track or on the field. So it's double the pressure. So I think that definitely makes you a strong person for sure. Um, and like you said, when I think about track and field, I'm a 400 runner. So um, speed-wise, I, I think I work really fast sometimes. I'm able to juggle a lot of things, but I work really fast, which kind of helps me in a sense. But then the other part of the 400, there's endurance. So I might get tired. I stay focused, right? And I finish. A big thing that women who empower values is community and mentorship. I'd say those are two huge pillars of what we do. One thing that I want to ask is any advice that you may have for broader Northeastern community, what is your advice for these people? Community is definitely um, super important. Um, Northeastern definitely was probably the foundation that what started that for me, my track team are still some of my bigger, biggest supporters and the people that I call for life decisions for sure that I'm talking about. I don't know, Zara North, Northover, she was on the track team. She's one of my best friends. I love her. Um, love her. Um, so I think it's really important. And even outside of my track family, I mean, um, my faith is really important. So I have a, you know, I have a good group with my, with my church. That's important. And me still competing, my running group, like my training group is really important to me too. So like, these are all little different nuggets of, they don't all know each other, but they're all important people that help me in my daily life to keep me focused. Our esteemed guests are Daryl and Dominique Schreiner. They are the co-founders of Cake Denim, and 
They are both graduating from Northeastern in 2022 from the Curry College of Computer Sciences. So we do have a few general questions that we start every podcast with that I want to ask you. Our whole thing at Women Who Empower is, as the name suggests, empowering women. So why is it important to you for women to empower other women? Well, we really believe that it's important because it creates an environment that women can flourish. And it's something that we've noticed that women are strong on their own, but together they create communities that help people succeed. And then also it's important to see women and those leadership and role model. Um, Yeah. So and that only happens when we empower each other. I think representation is important. I'm really big about making sure that we can see people like ourselves in any area that we might want to aspire to. Was there ever a time where you felt disempowered by someone and what did you do about it? Yeah, when we first started our company, we um, had worked with some contractors that just weren't supportive of our mission and they point blank told us that we wouldn't succeed and would never find a mill that would work with us. But my sister over here, she actually, before we decided to um, move on and work with someone else, had actually found one of the best mills in the world, and we work with them now. So it proved them wrong, but it was a disempowering moment. You know, you think the fashion industry, they're, you know, targeting women a lot, and that it would just be, we are like major consumers that it would be more geared towards women. But when you actually get into the apparel manufacturing side of it, behind the scenes, it's a lot of men running the factories that are making your clothing. And so they do challenge you and tell you, why do you want to do this? And then they also tell you that it's not the right way about going about things. And so you do kind of have to fight with them a little here and there to just keep going and just remember your vision and that you are the one with the power because it's your business at the end of the day. For those in the audience who don't know, Cake Denim is a sustainable and stereotype rejecting clothing brand. Where did this idea come from? It's a really interesting idea of sustainability, but also being unapologetically ourselves. It was actually an investigation into why buying jeans was such a personal struggle. It was it was stressful to go and buy them. And then also once I had a pair, I didn't always love them. And I kind of felt like I would like to just be able to pull out my favorite pair of jeans and always want to put them on and just feel comfortable in them. From there, we kind of came up with the name first. Cake is kind of a play on have, you know, that you don't, uh, you can have your cake and eat it too. Like you can have it all. You don't have to decide to be one thing or another. Um, and so that is where the stereotype projecting comes into it. On top of that, we're really trying to implement programs that encourage women to celebrate the body that they have right now. And, and I don't know if you want to add on. <laughs> and we're super passionate about sustainability. We're designing and working on a few upcycling programs within our company. And also we have started in the research aspect of reducing our packaging and hopefully getting to a place where it will be zero free packaging when we are shipping our denim out to you guys. One other thing that I'm really interested in um, from personal experience is rejection of stereotypes and being being happy with, like you said, the body that we have now and just being 
self-loving is really important for me i as an athlete it's body image has always been a big part of who i am and sometimes it hasn't been that great sometimes i feel like i'm on top of the world but as an athlete you're always the, under that microscope of society. And I, I love that a big part of Cake Denim's mission is to reject stereotypes. So how does Cake Denim work toward this mission? Um, well, as women, we're always going through different transitions and just different stages of our life. So we really tried to find fabrics that allowed for that, that allowed for like changes as we go through whether it's like physically mentally or emotionally and then after that it comes with like who's representing us as a brand like who are people seeing when they come to cake denim and also um whenever they think about someone who wears cake denim and then it's really important to reject those stereotypes and just think that only a certain person wears jeans or this type of jeans or anything like that we're also trying to do more convertible styles so that way it's yeah you may not you you may not want to wear one trend all the time but then buying all these other trends kind of puts you you know in one category and also that does go into consumerism which it would be nice if i had some jeans that kind of adapted to my body as well as adapted to whatever trends and lifestyle i was living right then and there so you don't have to make those sacrifices what are your goals for Cake Denim in the future? We are really interested and excited to bring all the tech that we are learning right now into our company. And just on such small scales, you'd be like amazed by just making small little changes, how drastically we can improve the environment, um, not just like for sustainable and the planet, but also for our employees, those that are in the factories, just ways that we can find tech to improve their skill sets, but also just make their jobs easier for them. And of course, our goal is always to remain as sustainable as possible and inspire other people, other brands, and show them that it is possible to be successful and sustainable as well. And then also to collaborate with other female founders. Uh, yeah, we love the idea that that our network could grow and that we could help and inspire potentially even mentoring, because I know that there are so many young women out there that have great ideas, and I can't wait to hopefully help them out and see those come to life. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and leave a review. For a chance to be featured, submit your story on our website at alumni.northeastern.edu submit. I'm Alana Gensler from the Alumni Relations Office.